4: These moments are about moments. And I'll tell you one moment I noticed there in the Biden-Putin interaction, the handshake, Biden looked Putin in the eye with a smile, Putin looked away. Again, you don't want to read too much or too little, but, but again, these are about public posturing. It's about how you project strength. And that, that was a notable moment to me as you watched the Who goes first?
3: In. Who extends their hand yes, first? Yes, exactly. And there was that moment Biden did, extend.
4: He
0: did extend. We were waiting to see if there would be that handshake. And, and there was. And there was that handshake. And it was a significant handshake. Yeah. It's a good way to start this meeting. And let's see what happens over the next four or five or six hours.
4: And as the, the, the president of the Swiss Federation said, Guy Parmelin, to promote dialogue and mutual understanding. And that's the intention. Then he said goodbye, because his job is done. He's done the ceremony. And now the hard work is happening behind the closed
1: doors. And the door is closed. Very symbolically. Yeah. And now we are all left to wonder what will go on in those rooms. The report from CNN yesterday as the Biden-Putin summit convened in Geneva, Switzerland. So now we know there was a handshake and the door shut. <laughs> Very dramatic uh it it, it was a, a not such a long meeting but uh what did happen there we had a press conference afterwards and we had joe biden come forward and snap at a reporter in fact you should hear that a little bit this is joe biden snapping at a cnn reporter as he's uh, leaving it was a, it was strange let's listen clip one why are you so confident he'll change his behavior mr president yeah, I'm not confident, what, what do you do over
0: so When did I say I was confident? I said, said, I said what, what I said was,
4: let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world.
0: I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact.
5: But given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference, after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks, he downplayed human rights abuses, he even refused to say Alexei
1: Navalny's name. So, how does that account to a constructive meeting as president? president
0: Putin? President. If you don't understand that. You're in your own
1: business. This is a something kind of with
2: China Cool, we, we need to love. Cool, we need to love. Quickly, let's go. Quickly, cool.
1: cool. All right, that's enough of that. Well, so the irony is you know, that's another CNN reporter, and uh, the reporting was all positive. It probably still is. I haven't been watching uh, the other networks, but. Uh, they want to be positive about everything that he does. We heard that Sky News report from Australia yesterday calling out the American media for giving Biden a pass, constantly pumping him up. Uh, And so then it was interesting that he should target a CNN reporter. What do you do all day, he said. And uh, if you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. So that was uh, Joe Biden's... These are not the substance of the meeting yesterday, because I want to get to that. Uh, They talked about Russian aggression toward Ukraine. They talked about ransom Aware uh, cyber attacks. They talked about Alexei Navalny's, uh, Navalny's release from the prison uh, and all, all kinds of things like that. Well, all right. How do I know what happened? And how do these CNN reporters know what happened? I've asked um, a longtime friend of mine who is a Russian expert to join us this morning because he speaks Russian. He was watching. He's uh, joining us from Paris. He's a leading commentator on Russia and the former Soviet Union. He's the author of five books on Russia. He's the creator of a documentary film. On the Fall of the USSR, uh, his most recent book, which is Never Speak to Strangers and Other Writing from Russia and the Soviet Union, which is an anthology of his writing. He, uh, uh, David Satter has been all over the globe covering Russia. He lived in Russia for a number of years. He is a former senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, a former Moscow correspondent, and a longtime observer of Russia and the former Soviet Union. And a lot more things, but I won't have time to talk to him if I get into all of them. David, thank you for joining us from Paris Uh, this morning. We appreciate it so much.
5: Well, I'm very glad to uh, be uh, with you, Sandy, and uh, once again to be on your program.
1: Yeah, well, it's great to hear your voice, David. Uh, Let me just tell you that I I don't want to take our time saying this, but David and I go back a long way from Chicago, so uh, we have mutually very dear friends, and uh, David has taught me so much about what I know about Russia. So, David, uh, first of all, you're, you know uh, the, the Russian mindset, you know the KGB mindset. What were your observations of Putin's behavior and the things that he said? Just what struck you?
5: Well, I, his, his behavior was uh, pretty standard, to tell you the truth. Uh, he repeated uh, basic uh, propaganda lies, and uh, of course he does so with a straight face. Uh, when he gets up at a press conference, He's not limited the way a democratic leader is limited uh biden trump uh obama uh, well, uh george bush they 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 of course can uh, can shade the truth or they can try to present the situation in the way that's most favorable to the policy that they're trying to pursue but they can't just stand up there and lie because they 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 deal with a democratic society uh uh you know oppressed that you know, despite all that's happened, uh, is still able in, in some respects to uh, uh, you know present countervailing facts. But uh, Putin doesn't have any of those problems. He can he can lie freely. There'll be no one who can challenge him. Oftentimes, he deals uh, with the details of policies that the uh, the journalists have not bothered to study and really don't don't know. Uh, and uh, at the same time he he retreats uh into uh, into explanations that are so convoluted uh that uh, that no one really can challenge him so he is he you know, he gives the impression of answering questions but uh uh he, in 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 a, in reality, he's misrepresenting the situation totally, and uh, he understands that his adversaries don't realize that, or are not able, to, are not really able to challenge them. Uh, when it comes to discussion of the uh, situation in Ukraine, he goes on about the Minsk Agreement. Well, there are very few people who are aware of the of the complexities of the Minsk Agreement, which would basically uh, destroy Ukraine as an independent state and was undertaken only because to stop a Russian invasion. Uh, so, I mean, it's, um, it's unwise even to get into these summit meetings. Uh, there's no need for it. Uh, we don't have anything uh, in our relationship with Russia that we're going to be able to negotiate uh, at the level of the heads of state. The most we can do is, uh, at the working level, in the State Department, Pentagon and elsewhere, make it clear with our policies that we will deter Russian aggression. Uh, You don't need a summit meeting for that.
1: Yeah, I've heard other people say something similar, that it was kind of a, well, that it was too soon. If they were going to have a meeting, it should have been later. These are the things that diplomats talk about, David, and regular people don't, you know, it's a kind of a complex well, subject. It, it's
5: it's not, even, not even a question of having it later. You, you shouldn't have it unless you're ready to reward Russia for genuine steps in the direction of peace. A summit meeting is a gift to Russia. It mm-hmm. suggests that Russia is a country. Uh, whose influence and significance are equal to those of the United States. Uh, It reinforces the position of Putin inside Russia. It, It contributes to his prestige. It creates the impression that Putin has successfully stood up to the United States, and the United States is obliged now to meet with him and, you know, to seek his agreement. So if we're going to give him that kind of s- symbolic bonus, it ought to be in return for something. For example, uh, you know, freeing political prisoners, uh, allowing Radio Liberty in Moscow to operate freely, uh, reducing or eliminating anti-American propaganda from the state media, uh, pledging to withdraw. Or, or in fact withdrawing russian troops from eastern ukraine and ceasing, and ceasing all uh support for the insurgency those are reasons to consider a summit meeting but, but, but just in order to
1: but you know, just I in order
5: it. to create you know a false impression that russia is a great power that's that's not it i mean
1: Well, you know what, David? Here's the thing. And um, I don't, you know, because we haven't talked in so long, I know that you're all over the globe all the time. But I'm sure that you know that inside this country now in the last, you know, six years or eight years, uh, Russia has been made, I think, larger than it ever should have been made. It's like uh, Russia, Russia, Russia. We've heard about it constantly. When you and I both know China is the real threat, they say nothing about China, but they, they jump on Russia. And it was interesting that Exchange between I think it was an n b c reporter just earlier this week who asked Putin if uh, are you a murderer it's like this this uh, it's almost like a game they're trying to bring down this very big character who actually, as you 've already hinted at, is not such a big character. My understanding right now is that Putin is actually in trouble in russia and russia 's economy is still flailing. Is that true
5: well the uh, the economy is stagnating, I would say uh it, uh, it's not in a state of collapse, uh, but uh, sanctions have made a difference, and they will in, in terms of Russia's future development. But uh, you know, Russia is, is a factor in the world, nonetheless, because of its potential for aggression toward its neighbors. Any, any, any aggressive act that they carry out, if, I mean, if they were to launch a new invasion of Ukraine, that would be destabilizing for everyone because the you know the rules of the game that have existed in the post-war period uh, are dependent on countries respecting the borders of other countries. Well, Russia did, ha- has has blatantly violated that with the inv- with the seizure of Crimea, and they're capable of seizing more Ukrainian territory. That's something that we do have to be concerned about, not only for Ukraine, but for the whole security system that guarantees peace in Europe and elsewhere.
1: Well so is it there true? Are that... some
5: reasons to be, there are some reasons to yeah. be concerned about Russia. But you know, you being concerned means being concerned in a serious manner and not what has happened in the US is that Russia has become a plaything in the internal conflicts in the United States. Anyone who we hate is automatically uh, described as being a tool of Russia. Uh, And the Russians are very adept at manipulating this. In the 2016 election between Trump and Hillary Clinton, uh, the Steele dossier was presented uh, by Clinton. It paid for by the, by the uh, Clinton forces and uh, was used in order to create the impression that Trump was some type of Russian agent. And that, that scandal and investigation continued for two and a half years. Right. The information in the Steele tr- dossier came from Russian intelligence and it was deliberately planted. In order to create that kind of chaos in the U.S., so uh, the the fact is that if we're going to be at each other's throats in this country, then we can expect a country like Russia to use our you know internal conflicts against us, you know, to plant information on one side or the other. And, uh, uh, to watch us fight it out inside the country.
1: While laughing, and I think. <laughs>
5: well, of course, I mean, it's, it it's, it, it, uh, uh, you know, it's when two neighbors hate each other. And then a third neighbor, uh, you know, you know, you know, does something that the, that, that the first, that, 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 that the two quarreling neighbors can blame on each other, uh, and uh, and then take advantage of the situation, but um, Ru- Russia's real characteristics are not really very well known in the U.S. Uh, because we operate on the basis of stereotypes. We operated on you know we you know Biden has shown that he learned nothing from the experience of the Obama reset, and is still thinking in the same serious I and uh, well, actually, that's what
1: effort. I do want to know, David. We're gonna—I don't want to run out of time because I did. That is the next question, and that is your observation of how Joe Biden presented himself, particularly to Putin, knowing Putin, knowing the Russians. How do you think Joe Biden played to that to that group of people?
5: Well, uh, the, the the most one of the most interesting factors in this. Uh, this episode was that the American side hailed as a result of the meeting that uh, the ambassadors are returning to their posts. The American ambassadors returning to Moscow, the Russian ambassadors returning to uh, Washington. Uh, the implication being, well, now at least we can get down to business and begin solving problems. But the American ambassador was, uh, uh, recalled, and the Russian and the Russian ambassador was was pulled out in in uh, uh, in reaction because of of Biden's statement that Putin uh, his agreement that Putin is a killer. Now, uh, what ha- happened? Did Putin cease to be a killer in three months? Uh, what you know? What has what changed that? Uh, uh, made it appropriate for the United States to resume, uh, you know, the, the status quo ante. In fact, there's abundant evidence that Putin is a killer. So why, in fact, uh, you know, what was what was the point of um, of, 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 of of restoring ambassadors uh, to the to the respective capitals? Uh, as if nothing has happened and, and no accusation has ever been made. And the other thing that was extremely interesting is that the Russians, uh, in their coverage, highlighted the fact that Putin, Biden and Putin exchanged gifts. Uh, Biden uh, arrived and, and gave Putin uh, some, some, a, a glass statue uh, and some aviator glasses and Putin gave uh, a Biden a present. Uh, all of this for the Russian audience means that uh, Biden is apologizing for what he said. And in the in the Russian press, uh, it was highlighted that uh, Putin said that, uh, you know, Biden explained his remarks uh, to Putin, and Putin was satisfied with the explanation. You know, you know, in for the Russians, for for Russians, that's a way that that's Putin's way of signaling that uh, don't take anything this fool says seriously. Uh, he said that for domestic consumption, but he apologized to me in private, and nothing that happens at the summit meeting suggests that uh, that that's far off the mark
1: so, so b- bottom line you're j- this is an unserious endeavor that is doing damage to America's interests because it's building up Putin to his own people and giving him significance he, we don't want him and we don't need him in power he's done great harm to the world, especially to Ukraine as you described, and has the potential of doing more harm and so we've just helped him along so um uh, not it's only just a- that,
5: not only that but we've 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 convinced him that uh uh, that he has nothing to fear from
1: us. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, all right, if, so David...
5: If he, if he renews aggression correction
1: against Ukraine. Let's just say this is a tease of a longer conversation we're going to have with David on his new book, Never Speak to Strangers and Other Writing from Russia and the Soviet Union. Uh, it will be... Uh, we'll talk about that very soon. We'll be talking with David uh, longer. But, David, already this is great, great insight, and... Um, And better insight, of course, than these news uh, anchors who really know very little, understand very little about the Russian mind and the KGB mind, which is, you know, Vladimir Putin's uh, former uh, job. So, David, thank you so much for your time today, and we will talk very, very soon. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Perfect little hands and perfect little feet. Can you hear that? That's her little heart beating. I had no idea I had a little baby
3: girl in there with little fingers and little toes. I didn't know at all
1: she was so real. They told me she wasn't a baby and should be aborted. Now, I could never. This ultrasound gives you a glimpse of God's perfect design and the good work He has begun with you. You both have intrinsic worth and value and are loved beyond measure.
0: Life-changing transformation happens in the communities that need us most. That's exactly why ICU Mobile chooses to go. Four of five women in our mobile units see their ultrasound and choose life. Visit us now at icumobile.org to make a life-saving contribution or text LIVES to 45777. That's L-I-V-E-S to 45777.
3: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting Go Visit to the number 49596. Again, that's Go Visit to the number 49596. A New Jersey school district is facing a mountain of fury from parents after holidays like Christmas and Columbus Day were renamed as Days Off. School leaders in Randolph Township voted unanimously to keep specific holidays off the calendar, a decision that was made after controversy over Columbus Day. Last month, the school district changed the name of Columbus Day to Indigenous People's Day, causing outrage among Italian-Americans. They say it's an affront to their heritage, a slap in the face. But the school district says their decision was made for the sake of diversity and tolerance. In response to the uproar, the district decided to eliminate all holiday names. Christmas Day, day off. Good Friday, day off. Seems to me like common sense also took a day off. Be sure to download my free podcast and subscribe to my free newsletter at ToddSterns.com.
0: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: Uh, Sandy Rios back with you. I want to remind you that there are some big rallies. Uh, The the strength of this country to me right now is people all over the country uh, rising up to fight back at school boards, uh, we haven't even played all of the all of the sound we've collected from parents testifying before school boards on critical race theory. There are some powerhouses uh, who've gotten their dander up, and I'm so glad to see that because the parents, I think, for too long, uh, have deferred to schools and to teachers, and also been, been cowards, some of them, because they didn't want to, you know, their children to have a hard time in the classroom if they spoke up and yada yada yada. I don't like that phrase, but you get it. We, uh, you know, so they haven't interfered and. Uh, The schools have just run amok. They have, and school boards have run amok. And the left has been very purposeful in putting their people in these positions. It hasn't happened by accident, and it's happened almost everywhere. Small towns, medium-sized towns, big towns. Uh, So uh, people are fed up. Now, I'm not just talking about schools. I'm talking about uh, police and the attacks against them and the violence in our streets. I'm talking about the breakdown of law and order. I'm talking about all of it. And so because of that, many, many people are getting organized where they live, which I think is uh, that's absolutely the right response to what we see happening. The whole Tenth Amendment, you know, the states do have many, many, many more rights than they exercise. Uh, But somehow we have grown federal government to this behemoth uh, that that rules our lives, and it has to stop. And so the states have to take back power, and I think a lot of them are absolutely doing that. They're stepping up to the plate. We talked a little bit about immigration yesterday, and about uh, you know the, the horrific way that the uh, Joe Biden, uh, Kamala Harris team are dismantling every kind of protection we have against uh, who's coming across the border, crimes against American citizens, uh, you know the whole gambit. And so we mentioned that Texas is in the process of. Uh, beginning to think about finishing that border wall and uh, starting to uh, uh, enforce the law themselves for their citizens. In fact, uh, just this morning, I read that uh, Greg Abbott said they've started, they've already begun building the wall, completing it on the Texas border. So so that's that's a 10th Amendment thing. The states have rights. And so Uh, It's good stuff. So I want to remind you that uh, Saturday is Virginia's Freedom Festival. Virginia has such great patriots there. and I mean, it's a a stone-cold battle, I can tell you, uh, because there are such good people there, and then there's such horrible people there who want to dismantle. They hate the history. Virginia is, of course, the epicenter of American history. And so it's been really, I think, under attack as much as any state, maybe more. And so Virginians are waking up. Uh, they've been awake for a while, and they've been fighting for a while, but they're fighting even harder. And so the Freedom Festival is happening this Saturday. It's going to be a fun thing with great speakers, but the whole idea is to convene a like-minded people to fight back uh, in um, in Virginia. Uh, Parents Against Critical Race Theory are some of the sponsors of this, along with uh, Priests for Life, Concerned Women for America, the Leadership Institute, lots of v- Virginia Family Foundation, our good friends down in Richmond, uh, and lots of other great people. So uh, the speakers will be people like Chris Plant. I love Chris. Chris is in the on the air uh, in the mornings in uh, at Washington D.C., uh, also in Chicago and other outlets. He is syndicated, but he's just a great patriot and hilarious. So he'll be one of the speakers along with Sheriff David Clark of uh, Milwaukee, formerly of Milwaukee, and then Brenda Tillett, who's the president of Stand Up Virginia, and a lot of other people. I'm just uh, giving you just a smattering. So how do you go? Uh, How do you find out about this? You go to Virginia's Freedom Festival, and it'll show you how to sign up. And uh, it's, you know, they're going to have food and entertainment and all that stuff, so you can take your family. But it's going to be a serious day, and uh, I hope you'll do that. And today in Michigan, do I have that? I hope I have that in my hand. Today at the Capitol of Michigan, there is a meeting, uh, a rally. I don't have it. I don't have it. But okay. Uh, it's happening today. Maybe, Adam, you could find that for me, but it's uh, going to be happening at uh, Michigan's Capitol. It's this morning, I think, at 10. Uh, it's, it's this morning sometime, but I bet if you – we'll find that. Before I say goodbye to you today, we'll find out the information. I must have just – Drop that piece of paper somewhere in my little stack here. My, it's not such a little stack, I say? Anyway, uh, so uh, those of you in uh, Michigan who want to find like-minded folk, because they're fighting back like crazy too, organizing. And the thing this morning at the Capitol in Michigan is a is a call to prayer, uh, and a call to you know to just call, come to the Capitol and pray. They're trying to get uh, their Congress, uh, their legislature, to uh, support really good election law and reforms. And, and also for a recount uh, like Arizona is doing, which I haven't even had a chance to talk about the election stuff. I, I need a whole day uh, to uh, to do that. It's Let Freedom Ring. That's what they're calling the rally. It's 10 to 2 today at the Capitol. Thanks, guys, back in Tupelo. That's uh, uh, at the Capitol in Michigan this morning at 10 a.m. to 2. Let Freedom Ring. So those of you in Michigan who are like-minded, you know, get in your cars and go. I want to tell you that I heard from Carrie. Uh, she is in Arkansas, and she's telling me that they have really organized there. Uh, they have; uh, they are calling themselves the River Valley City Elders, and they have partnered with the City Elders Tulsa. I guess that's Oklahoma. River Valley is, as I understand it, Arkansas, uh, and they've been meeting. They are; uh, they've found someone to run against uh, John Boozman for Senate. A, a woman named Jan. I am assuming it's a woman named Jan Morgan. She said that they have, um, let's see, we cover the, uh, she's telling me about some of these. We've already affected two outcomes with school board elections, putting into a conservative Christian and a Second Amendment protection resolution in Quorum County, a Quorum Court of Crawford County. And so they've already had some successes, even though they're in their early stages. And so she just wants to say you know, if they can do it, we can do it. And many of you are organizing. I hear from you all the time. I've also offered the invitation that if you're in your uh, local area and you would like to get organized, uh, Terry Dietrich, who is the chairman of the Republican Party in Waukesha County, uh, organized and has a great way, a great, great suggestions for you to know how to take back your city, uh, your county. And so if you're interested in doing that, and are interested in getting in contact with Terry, who's training a lot of people that I've sent his way, you can contact me at um, Sandy at AFR.net, and I'll get that information to him, okay? Sandy at AFR.net, and you can organize and uh, take back your city, take back your county, and uh, just get involved. It's happening all over the place, so uh, there's no reason why you can't do it as well. All right, I have so much to tell you this morning. It's been a challenge, but I want to go to January 6th because I've been covering it a lot, and um, I'm very concerned about what's happening. Christopher Ray testified in Congress just last week. He said they've arrested 500 people. They're looking to arrest more people. A lot of them may be some of you, my audience, who went to Washington, D.C., simply to support President Trump at that rally before Congress was convening to um, to accept the electors. Uh, that were as presented, and uh, we all know about that. We know what happened that day. At least we know. Well, We don't really know what happened that day, but we have a general idea. So I want to flesh some of this out because we have some new information, and uh, you've got to be patient with me because I want to deliver it if, as clearly as I possibly can. Tucker Carlson has been doing a great job reporting on this, and he brought something to our attention a few nights ago that you need to know about, and we will talk about this. This clip 11.
2: Last night, we opened this show with new information about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. No day, it's fair to say, in recent American history, has received more media attention or been used for greater political effect by partisan actors. Because of January 6th, our attorney general told us this week, we've got to change our country forever. And yet, given all the talking, the endless talking about January 6th, it is remarkable what we still don't know about what actually took place that day. Until this Monday night, for example, when it was reported by Revolver News, we had no idea that at least 20 organizers and participants in the events at the Capitol have not been indicted, despite the nationwide dragnet for people who were there. This is interesting. The government knows exactly who these people are, but has refused to charge them with crimes. Why is that? Well, because it seems like they may have had some connection to the government. Some of the people who broke into the Capitol committed crimes while inside and encouraged others to do the same appear to have been in contact with the FBI before the event. Let that sink in for a moment. The events of January 6th that you keep hearing about endlessly, events that Democrats in Congress describe as an act of war carried out by white supremacists, as dangerous and historically significant as Pearl Harbor and 9-11, those events apparently were at least in part organized and carried out in secret by people connected to federal law enforcement. It's hard to think of a bigger potential scandal than this one. Now it's clear where the government won't release more than 14,000 hours of surveillance footage shot at the Capitol that day. People they know are on the tape.
1: Yeah, so that's just the first part of Tucker's report. And I'm going to play some more of that, but I have lots of other sources. And uh, I want to tell you as much as I can today. Uh, This is an outlet, uh, Jim Hoft leads this outlet. Gosh, uh, it just slipped my head, and I sometimes cut off these names by accident. But this is the report, but it is by Jim Hoft. Uh, The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security attempted to recruit a former Green Beret to infiltrate and spy on Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, but he recorded their conversation. His name is Jeremy Brown. He's a Green Beret and a former Republican candidate for Congress in Florida. Uh, He served in the U.S. Army from 1992 to 2012, and he reached the rank of Special Forces Master Sergeant. He also attended the Stop the Steal protest in Washington on January 6th. He joined the Oath Keepers in November, went to Washington to provide security at the many protests and rallies. And then now he's speaking out about how the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force contacted him and attempted to recruit him to spy on Patriot's and Everyday Americans. He has pictures of it. I see one of the still shots from it. He's also released video. The point is, um, this illustrates what Tucker was alluding to, that obviously the government, now Jeremy didn't cooperate with them, but obviously the government was recruiting people to infiltrate, and Tucker's point is that at least 20 of them were not just uh, infiltrating. They were actually leaders of what happened on January 6th, and we will talk about that more when we return. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
4: Each one of us is a leader of a small cell group. Focal Point with Brian Fisher. We have people with whom we communicate that do listen to us. We have an opportunity to keep them informed and to keep them mobilized, to keep them motivated so everybody
0: stays engaged in the fight for the soul of our country. Focal Point, the home of muscular Christianity. Weekday afternoons at 1 Central on American Family Radio.
1: How much does a six-month subscription to the AFA Journal cost? It's free! For six months, you can read articles and updates in the pro-life movement. You can read about family-friendly entertainment, laws that may impact your family or your business, and, of course, what the American Family Association is up to and how you can help. So what are you waiting for? Visit afajournal.org for your free six-month subscription to the AFA Journal.
5: Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if, with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had been cast into the sea. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Texas Christian University is changing the way it categorizes first-year students. Kathy Toll, vice chancellor for student affairs, said its vernacular change is a reflection of their university-wide commitment to inclusive excellence. What's the change? The university is dropping the term freshman and will now call incoming undergraduates first-year students. That's right. Texas Christian University has bowed the knee to the sexual deviancy political agenda, pressed upon modern American culture. Parents, take note. Listen
0: each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Brian Fisher here with an excerpt from the Boy to Man book for fathers to read with their 12-year-old sons. Here's Winston Churchill during the darkest hours of World War II. Never give in, never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Whether it's an academic challenge An athletic challenge, a romantic disappointment, or a setback in work or career, don't throw in the towel. Wipe the sweat and blood from your brow and get back in the ring. As Proverbs says, if you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Order a copy of the Boy to Man book today as a Father's Day gift at
0: resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio.
3: This is Frank Effney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The Biden-Harris administration doubled down this week on its assertion that we now face very dangerous adversaries within the United States. Incredibly, it's not worried about Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or Islamists. We're told instead the most menacing of such foes are white supremacists. A new domestic counterterrorism strategy and ominous remarks by Attorney General Merrick Garland harken back to leftist tropes about countering violent extremism. Promoted during the Obama-Biden administration. Meanwhile, political commissars are indoctrinating military personnel with so-called critical race theory training and scrutinizing with suspicion, patriots withdrawing from the military. As if these efforts to divide, alienate, and radicalize our countrymen and women weren't bad enough, Team Biden has another initiative straight out of the Marxist playbook. Encourage family members to rat each other out to authorities. We must stop all such fratricidal subversion now. This is Frank Gaffney don't forget to connect
0: with Sandy Rios in the Morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the Morning
2: on American Family Radio. I've been arrested on January 6th. Um, Do the uh, charges, they range from uh, trespassing, disorderly conduct, uh, uh, assault, uh, insurrection. Uh, What are the charges? Uh, there are a variety of charges. I would probably be better off to refer you to the Justice Department for the full list. Uh, but certainly they have ranged from uh, assaults on federal officers uh, to different kinds of obstruction offenses. We've had some conspiracy charges. Uh, I'm not sure I could give you a, a but it, full was it, catalog. It, has there been any insurrection charges? Uh, I would Don't believe so, but again, there've been close to 500 cases. And you know, uh, have been uh, people been held in jail since January or since their arrest uh, on trespassing charges or minor charges are still are they held in jail without due process? I don't believe anybody's been denied due process, sir.
1: Really, okay, so maybe I should have his personal email to send him a few things. that's FBI Director Christopher Ray, and that's Congressman Bob Gibbs from Ohio questioning him. Let me just give you a little smattering of that before I turn back to the original thing I was going to talk to you about about the government's involvement in what happened on January the sixth. All right, so there's a um um a former Marine, Jason Dolan, who's been arrested and charged. Uh, with an Oath Keepers conspiracy, it sounds like the FBI is centering in on the Oath Keepers. They're the bad guys in this, of course. Uh, I think they, their Oath Keepers is to keep their oath. I've talked to my husband about this. Their oath is to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's what they mean when they say they are Oath Keepers. Dolan served in the Marines for 20 years. He has no criminal history. Uh, he isn't charged with a violent crime. But the, the DOJ, Department of Justice, Justice... Justice, the Department of Injustice, once again sought pretrial detention. Uh, the federal judge denied it, but it, it, he, he came very close to be placed, placed in. And so he was—basically, he said that um, the police— Allowed them into the Capitol. He told them. In fact, the DOJ motion, this is the exact wording of the DOJ, Department of Justice's words. Defendant Dolan apparently gave an interview to the Gateway pundit. By the way, that's the outlet I was trying to think of earlier. An interview to the Gateway pundit describing his actions on January 6th and a conspiracy theory about the Capitol police actually unlocking the magnetic, and it gets, quotes, doors to let him inside. So he's one that's been—a Delaware Republican U.S. Senate candidate, Lauren Witz, Witz, Witzke, uh, released an interview uh, with veteran Nick Ox, discussing how he's facing 20 years in prison for entering the Capitol to cover the protest as a journalist. Um, and Paul Allard Hodgkins, maliciously overcharged by the feds with obstructing an official proceeding of Congress and facing 20 years in prison for the crime of taking a selfie— on the Senate floor, with others, as they cheered and said prayers, Hodgkins only spent 15 minutes inside the people's House, but after being threatened with two decades in prison, he accepted a plea deal, and now he's facing 15 to 21 m- months in prison under federal guidelines. Um, even the Daily Mail, which is not a conservative outlet, r- did a report on this and calling saying that the January 6 protesters are being held in a Guantanamo Bay for American. Citizens, And I'm going to read. I've said some of this to you before, but I'm going to repeat it because there are always people that haven't heard it. This is from the Daily Mail. The suspects are held in solitary confinement in cells the size of a walk-in closet for up to 24 hours a day and treated like domestic terrorists by jail guards after several law enforcement officers were injured and killed during the January. That's actually not true, but that's what the Daily Mail is reporting. (laughs) Several were injured, but none were killed. The January 6th violence in the Capitol. Uh, McBride, who represents Richard Bigot Barnett, 60, of Arkansas, the man known for putting his feet up on Speaker Nancy Pelosi's desk, claimed that the guards are roughing up the siege suspects to show solidarity with law enforcement at the Capitol. The D.C. Central Detention Facility has become the Guantanamo Bay for American citizens. It goes on to say, in the eyes of the federal government, the 2021 Trump supporters is the the 2001 Religious Muslim. This is demonstrated by the fact that Trump supporters typecasted as extremists are being illegally detained pre-trial by the United States government. Now, that's what um, our FBI director just said. He, he doesn't know. No one's being held illegally. No, he knows nothing of that. Everyone's been given due process. Really? I have a lot of things to, to send to him, and I'm sure Julie Kelly could send him, fill his inbox, and he could have some good reading. But Ronald Sandalin's another example. Um, he said, myself and others involved in the January 6th incident are scared for their lives, not from each other, but from correctional officers. He said that during a bail he- hearing conducted by video before U.S. District Court Judge Dabney Friedrich, I don't understand how this is remotely acceptable, and he said we're being subjected to mental torture. In an unusual direct plea to the judge, Sandlin said another capital right defendant, Ryan Samsel, was severely beaten by correctional officers, blind in one eye, has a skull fracture, and detached retina. Sandlin also described racial tension between minority guards and the largely white defendants, some of whom have been publicly accused of membership in or association with white supremacist groups. Sandlin said guards tackled to the ground one high-profile prisoner, Richard Barnett, 60, who was photographed with his boot up on the desk and speaker at Nancy Pelosi's office. Sandlin said one of the guards declared, I hate all white people and your honky religion. So now I want to go back to this. I want to read to you what our Attorney General said when he took off office. Merrick Garland said this: in the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist group comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who would advocate for the superiority of the white race. In fact, you probably heard you've heard him say, and you've heard uh, FBI Director Ray say that it's it's all about uh, white supremacy. When I can tell you, uh, Tucker asked this question in one of his monologues, and he's right. Name the white supremacists. Let's have a list. Let's find out who they are. Why do we? It's just this big general uh, accusation to every person who's a conservative and certainly a Trump supporter of white supremacy, but no proof whatsoever. And I, I know for a fact that the people in the United States who are actually affiliated and declared white supremacists is like, I think I read about a couple of thousand. That's too many, yeah. But it, it, there, it's not. They are talking about eighty million. They're making it sound as though this is permeating the air we breathe, uh, and it's just not. And that's what our government is kind of uh, going after. Now, I want to read to you something that's pretty frightening to me, and I'm going to try to go into it as carefully as I can. This is again from um, f- uh, from the outlet I talked about earlier. This is by Jim Hoft. And uh, he makes the point in beginning his article, uh, this Revolver News is another outlet that's covering this, and they've been making a lot of these points, so they'll be intermixed with the the, the information I'm going to give you. Uh, Black Lives Matter Antifa mobs have caused over $1 billion in damages in cities across America since May. In Minneapolis alone, Black Lives Matter mobs damaged or destroyed over over 1,500 businesses or buildings. 700 police officers were injured in Black Lives Matter riots, and that was back in June. Uh, Black Lives Matter was linked to conservatively 91% of the riots that resulted in the most expensive property damage in U.S. insurance history. Art, right, I could say more about that, but that just, we know that this is true. We've seen it with our own eyes, and yet our government is telling it, telling us that we are saturated with white supremacy, and it's white's Uh, people who are the object of their uh, investigations because we are, you know, planning, I'm not sure what. Uh, And that's what they're teaching kids. That's why the guards, the black guards in D.C. so hate these people because they've been saturated with the notion that these people are all white supremacists when there's just absolutely no proof, no evidence of that whatsoever. And so um, now I want to share with you what the revolver has reported, because I think this is, this goes back to what Tucker was talking about. They reported last Tuesday that um, there are unindicted co-conspirators listed in these uh, papers uh, regarding January 6th. So I'm going to read from Revolver News. Of all the questions asked, words spoken and ink spilled on the so-called Capitol siege of January 6th, none hold the key to the entire event quite like what Sen- Senator Amy Kobachar asked of Christopher Ray. Now, this was last week when Wray uh, testified before the Senate. The Democrat from Minnesota asked the Trump-appointed FBI director, did the federal government infiltrate any of the so-called militia organizations claimed to be responsible for planning and executing the Capitol siege? And then it goes on to say, in many cases, the unindicted co-conspirators appear to be much more aggressive and egregious participants in the very so-called conspiracy, serving as the basis for charging those indicted. In other words, what they're saying is that these unnamed, uh, unindicted co-conspirators, unindicted for what reason, we're not sure, and Revolver's going to say, as Tucker said, because they were federal agents of some sort who had infiltrated, and that they were the ones they're claiming here. I, haven't, I, I, have, I don't know how they know that. I need to do more digging, uh, to, but they're not the only ones saying it. That We know for a fact that it was these people who were doing the worst work, And they were leading the otherwise feckless protesters into doing some really bad things. Let me continue reading from from Revolver Media. The question immediately arises as to why this is the case and forces us to consider whether certain individuals are being protected from indictment because they were involved in uh, January 6th as undercover operatives or confidential informants for a federal agency. And then he said, here, uh, they say, here it is useful. I like this because this helps me, too, to understand we certainly have seen footage of uh, really bad actors doing really bad things. Uh, You've seen a lot of that. You just haven't seen, you know, all the the wonderful people there who were just, you know, walking through the Capitol, staying within the, the lines, taking pictures, putting their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, silly stuff, not exactly insurrectionists. You haven't seen enough of that. You've seen mostly these terrible videos. So how do we explain that? I haven't been successfully able to do that, but this is what they are talking about. The first group—oh, okay, so here it is useful to draw a distinction between two discrete categories of participants in the so-called capital siege. The first category is the group of mostly harmless tourists who walked through already open doors and already removed barricades, and at most were guilty of minor trespassing charges and light property offenses. The second group consists of those who were violent with police officers, broke down barricades, smashed windows— belonged to a, quote-unquote, militia group, engaged in military-style planning prior to the event, discussed transporting heavy weaponry, and so forth. Up until now, the overwhelming, perhaps exclusive, share of counter-establishment reporting, and that's me, I'm, I would be counter-establishment, on uh, January 6th has focused on absolving the first group. That's true for me, because I'm furious about what's happened to people who I just know had no ill intent in their hearts uh, when they went into that capital, They just wanted their country to get things right. So that would be me. And this is a valuable thing, writes Revolver. The notion that these harmless MAGA moms wandering around the capital were domestic terrorists engaged in an insurrection is absurd. That many of these people are being held in prison without bail under harsh conditions amounts to an unacceptable and outrageous abuse of basic human rights. However, the possibility that the federal government had undercover operatives or informants involved in the events of January 6th from its planning to its execution compels us to turn our attention to the second category of participants. Um, so Revolver News then talks about how the more violent plotters—and oh, this is really interesting. I did not know this till this morning. Remember Gretchen Whitmer? They tried to kidnap her. Remember poor Gretchen yeah, and so uh, that, and it came out at a very uh, crucial time in her uh, declarations and authorita- authoritarian rule over the people of Michigan. Suddenly there was this story that people were plotting to kidnap her. Uh, now we know that m- most of those uh, violent plotters were government informants. Uh, Revolver News shows the parallels between the Whitmer kidnappers and the January 6th Oath Keepers, who were behind the planning and operation that day and who, like the plotters in Michigan, paid for the hotel rooms and bus rental to the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, and several apparent government informants were not charged on the January 6th protest. Now, there's another article here that tells in more detail about this, and I'm going to go to that now. Uh, In the time that I have, we will put that Revolver article on our Facebook page, too, so you can share it. I don't think I'm going to have time to do this, but um, but basically what they're saying is in Gretchen Whitmer's case, there were inf- government informants who actually egged things on. The guy that they said planned it was like a homeless man who had no capability of doing something like that. And they they whipped this up, and it was really nothing. It was a nothing burger. And they actually created what they reported was happening to Gretchen Whitmer. And they say that that's the same thing that it looks like was happening on January 6th, that uh, there were uh, insiders, uh, and probably connected to the FBI, who were inciting, planning, uh, sort of egging people on. Uh, And so uh, we need to know more about this because none of them have been charged. We don't know their names Uh, It's just the people who are now held in those D.C. jails being treated in unbelievable, believable ways and accused of the things that perhaps these insiders actually were the ones guilty of doing. And we'll talk more about it when we can. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.